one of the best parts for me is we used to sit in our functional areas, right? So I would only ever ask other engineers, you know, so not only would I might, I might not find the answer, the diversity of the answer might not be as effective either. And now when you put something out there, there's, there's no titles and there's no roles. It's just who knows the answer. And I think this has just been loved by our entire organization. The best engineer is a data scientist, right? The answer comes back from a, from a perspective that we never anticipated. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology. I am Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow. And today I am joined by some fine folks from 8451, Chris and Michael. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. But to set the stage, we're going to chat a bit about what it's like to work on an engineering team to work with data scientists and to be in an organization as it tries to scale up, you know, in terms of the number of folks who are working on your code base and also a little bit about what it's like to work in today's world where you're no longer often in an office and you're hiring in a pretty remote and diffuse environment. So Chris, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey Ben, thank you very much. We're happy to be here. So Chris, for folks who don't know, in a nutshell, what is your organization? What does it do? And what do you and your team principally work on? I'm in a lead engineer for the uh, Merch Analytics and Supply Chain Operations team here at 8451. 8451, if you're not aware, you know, we're a data science insights and media company. You know, we specialize or we dedicate all of our efforts to helping the Kroger company, its partnerships, its affiliates, improve the, uh, the shopping experience and build loyalty for our customers. You work for a company, Kroger, that, you know, I don't know if many folks know, but a big, big grocery supermarket company here in the United States. And I don't normally think about software at all when I'm in a grocery store browsing the aisles, going into a big retail environment. But between 8451 and Kroger, there are thousands of engineers, you know, working on different offerings or platforms or services that Kroger has for its customers. Now that we got what 8451 is, step back for a little bit. Tell us what each of you do, sort of your title and your day to day. Well, my name is Chris Wones. Uh, I'm uh, technically the VP of engineering for uh, Merch Analytics and Supply Chain Operations. I lead uh, a group of maybe uh, 20 full-time employees and another uh, dozen contractors, all focused in the area of Merch Analytics and making the experience, mostly preparing the data for analytics and data science needs that Michael's going to talk shortly about here. So yeah, Michael, tell us a little about who you are, your title and what you do. And then I guess, you know, to sort of what Chris was speaking to for me as an end user, as a consumer, you know, how do I touch what you're building and how does it improve my experience or, you know, for Kroger, improve the business outcomes? Thanks again for having us. Uh, my name is Michael Carrico. I am a director of data science here at 8451 and I'm on our enterprise price and promotions team. So I've been primarily within our merchandising space during my time here. I did start more on the engineering side in a group called U.S. Products and have gradually transitioned over to analytics and data science throughout that time. So my initial focus when I joined the company was around more BI and building dashboards and have transitioned actually into getting into a lot of that data. What does my day-to-day look like now? So I'm on our technical track. So I don't actually manage people like Chris does. Um, I'm more in an individual contributor role. And that involves coming up with technical strategy for my team and 
really merchandising data scientists at 8451, informing some of those strategies and different ways of working across our product and engineering organization. Things that I work on that touches the end user. So on price and promotions, we'll touch everything from the tags you see at the shelf to what gets an ad or on your end cap displays. So we analyze a lot of that data and provide recommendations back to Kroger and work with CPGs to make those recommendations. How often does that kind of stuff change? How real time is that? You know, are you crunching numbers heading into a big holiday or big shopping season and folks are swapping price tags or moving things to an end cap or pushing things to a sale aisle based on data that you're working with? Yeah. So we're influencing all along that kind of planning cycle, whether it's longer term strategy or week to week, what are we going to do? Our team really provides pretty wide range of recommendations in terms of the time frame that we affect, how granular we get with product or geography. So we're really able to provide those tailored recommendations depending on really what the appetite of the audience is at that point. And to the degree that you can discuss it, Chris or Michael, like what is the scope we're talking about here? A dozen stores, a hundred stores, a thousand stores, how many customers are coming through a week? Like, you know, what is the human sort of scale of the, you know, that you're touching with the software you're building? Yeah. So ultimately we support the uh, entire Kroger enterprise, you know, in the neighborhood of the 2,500 stores or so. Generally our science rolls out in a division or a, a part of a division as we test and learn, and then we continue to do rollouts throughout the entire enterprise. We're roughly in the neighborhood of uh, 8 million shoppers a day that come through the Kroger stores. So uh, yeah, significant impact to the work that Quite a few individuals. Yeah, that's very cool. This being the Stack Overflow podcast, I want to talk a little about what your tech stack is and then maybe how it evolved. So tell me a little bit about sort of what you were working with when you started at the company, how it's evolved to now, and then maybe we could talk through, I don't know, like a project you're working on and we can sort of get into the nitty gritty of how you build things. When we first started doing all of our uh, data prep and uh, analytics, we were primarily using SaaS and Oracle backend exclusively on-prem or you know in our own data centers. And over the last, let's say, three to five years, we've been on a, a cloud journey that took us through developing data science and data engineering and GCP and And now we've migrated most of our solutions to the Azure platform. Some of the recent projects that we've been doing have been taking all of our existing legacy systems, modernizing them, updating the science, adding new functionalities, and then ultimately taking advantage of those new technologies so that we could scale to meet that demand that we were talking about. And Michael, from your perspective, what does it look like? Like, What are the tools and technologies you're working with on the data science side and what's got you excited at the moment? So the thing that has me the most excited about this new tech stack is with the move that we're making to the cloud, previously we would have like an analyst or a data science way of performing things, which was, you know, Chris mentioned some of those old stack that we would use SAS, SQL, we'd use things like Altrex and Tableau. And there was very right. much like a, a very exploratory tech stack that included a lot of just top-down exploratory programming. As we start to move into more of a product-led organization that is moving into the cloud, we're moving as a data science organization and as a function closer to where our engineers were going. So much more robust code and things like packages and developing in common languages like PySpark in the same environment. So it's been really refreshing for me from the technical side to instead of kind of figuring out how we take something and throw it over the fence to our engineering group, once it gains traction and really gets scale, we're already pretty much there because we're working in the similar language. I mean, they may put some more 
rigor and harden that code base a bit, but it's really been refreshing to be working in a similar tech stack with them. So Chris, how did you sort of achieve that? You said you were on a cloud journey. I know when we met before, you mentioned part of, you know, sort of your remit for the business is agile transformation. You know, what was it like to try to sync these different parts of an organization, which, yeah, I, as an outsider, probably just say it's all engineering, you know, they'll figure it out together. They'll work together, you know, but you know, it sounds like you've managed to sort of, right, bring two parts of the organization closer together, be able to work with the same tools or languages. And that makes it easier when you want to pass along an insight or pass along some tooling that the other folks can use. You know, to be honest, Ben, it's not been the easiest journey. You know, as we've gone through our product-led, as Michael was talking about, our product-led journey, our agile transformation, and then, you know, learning what it was like to be, go through that cloud maturity, we hit some bumps in the road. I think what it really was, though, is, is kind of what Michael was talking about there a second ago, is that, you know, it was the various groups really leaning in together knowing that to achieve the goals that we wanted to achieve, we had to work better together. And then we had to advance the way that, you know, engineers did work, data scientists did work and the way that we did it in the same team. We caught a lot of momentum as we we moved into, into Azure and when our teams really started engaging and building the products together. We really caught a lot of momentum and had a significant success over the last year or so. So yeah, I mean, I think one of the things we like to do on the Stack Overflow blog and podcast is just sort of talk about you know something you built, how you built it, the paths you took that turned out to be the wrong ones, and how you, you found your way back. So maybe talk us through yeah, like a recent project, and we can use that to explore a little bit of both the tech and tools you work with, but also, as you said, kind of trying to figure out the cloud journey, the agile transformation, and doing it at a place, again, you know, this is not to speak ill of Kroger, but that most people don't associate with cutting edge technology. Yeah. So our team's recently worked on a project to do more of a kind of an automated look at price and promotional insight. And previously, this type of reporting was locked up in our data science and analytics space. A lot of solutions managed, supports managed through that arm. And recently, we had a big push to Let's figure out how we can start working cross-functionally, how we can, like Chris said, catch some of that momentum of this cloud journey and actually use this as an opportunity to bring these often disparate functions together and work Mm -hmm. in not only a common tech stack, but in a common approach to delivering a new product. So this involves some, some learning pains of, you know, syncing up with product and figuring out if Agile could work for our data scientists. Our engineers were pretty well versed in working in that way, but... It involved us flexing to a new way of work and honestly having Agile flex into a way that met us as data scientists. So we found out that all of the kind of rituals and uh, the rigor of Agile didn't always facilitate the more open-ended nature of some of our data science work. So we had to flex that way a bit to figure out how our product would bend to make sure that we were working in that open-ended, but yet in a way that allowed us to plan and prioritize and forecast what could we get done? What was going to drive the most value back to the organization? Mm-hmm. And then once we converged on that way of working together and got in that groove, we were able to use technology really to our benefit to help cement those things. So by doing exploratory work and things like Databricks notebooks and having our data scientists really work and do their exploration there, it ended up feeding engineering code that would ultimately make it into the end product rather than it being a top-down rewrite. We were doing things like managing some of our quality control via 
some of our pull requests in GitHub, which just wasn't mm-hmm. something that we had used in the past. And we thought about just cross-functional ways of working. So it really was a, a good opportunity for us to explore how do we take these advantages that we've realized through this difficult journey of the tech migration and really use it to our advantage to take something that was previously a little bit harder to support and weigh down some of our data scientists in terms of support and move that into a more well-supported and engineered product. Yeah, I feel like you could get a, a pretty strong thought leadership blog out of that, you know, agile for data scientists. That sounds like something that people would be into just taking something that at this point, you know, is in some ways tried and true and there's best practices, quote unquote, but trying to apply it maybe to a slightly different discipline uh, or to integrate it with a discipline that then touches on more traditional software engineering. I'll be honest, we've looked in in that space as things were evolving, wondering like surely someone had to have felt some of these pain points that we're feeling and maybe someone out there on some blog has a solution to this. And it seems like it was you know, there were people who were expressing similar pain points with some of those rituals of agile and some of that rigor, but it really took us kind of doing almost a test and learn on our own to figure out how do we make this work for us and make it work in a way that benefits both of these organizations. All right, well, I'll make it a show note to ask you to, to write a post for the blog later and we'll see how that goes. That's I'd be good. curious to know from either one of you, it sounds like you feel like and acknowledge some of it was difficult, but you managed to catch some momentum, happy with how some of this project came together. How do you measure the result and the impact? Historically, our organization has been a kind of a science-driven, work on methodologies kind of in the background, prove out something that they wanted to achieve, you know, like a price and promotion strategy that we wanted to work through. And then it would be handed over to the engineering organization to implement. That could take many months to get that into an engineered solution. And in our collaborative way of working here, this cross-functional, cross-functional team has really shortened that, that timeline to implementation. And to me, that's been one of the huge benefits. You know, the other thing, and Michael was talking about how data scientists has learned more engineering ways. It's, it's just as receptive from the engineering point of view in that proving the methodology and taking iterative steps along the way to make sure that the methodology, the data is sound as we go even throughout the development journey has been a, a valuable experience for the engineering. Because typically they right. come in, they came in at the end, right? So that it was already proven. And here that that's really helped. And it's it's allowed us to participate in that more. And I think as we continue to build that muscle and learn more and more over time, we will continue to shorten the time that it goes from an idea to where our science is actually being implemented in Kroger Solutions and ultimately showing up in front of the customer. Okay. Based on what you said, the way you're measuring it is really more about like development velocity and time from ideation to, you know, product. So yeah, uh, not to do a shameless plug here, but obviously I know that you're a Stack Overflow for Teams customer. And when we had chatted earlier, you know, there was a bit of a discussion that when you started, you were in an office, could tap somebody on the shoulder, could shout out and ask, you know, for a little bit of help and somebody might be able to do it. But now increasingly, like as many of us are working in this remote distributed way. So how do you, how do you use Stack Overflow for Teams? And I guess, you know, how does it play into a lot of the workflows that we've been talking about? Yeah, to tie back into that cross-functional project that we just covered. I mean, it's before when we were when we were done Humby, which was the company name prior to eighty four fifty one. We 
we're much smaller. We were primarily located in Cincinnati. Honestly, we had like a, an analyst cube where we all sat just in one area and you knew who the SMEs were. So I knew who the best person was at PL SQL, the best person was at SAS, and I could just go over and ask them a question. I think as we've grown, we've geographically diversified. So we've moved to, we now have offices in Chicago and New York and Portland, Oregon. And obviously with COVID, we've now gone fully remote. So I think that between the increasing complexity of our projects, coupled with the geographic diversification, add in the fact that our company has continued to grow and I no longer know all the 30 people who sit around me, Stack Overflow has become a way where we can start to tease out those SMEs without actually knowing who they are. So by asking that question in a broad forum and having both engineers and data scientists in the same language, but also in the same forum for answering questions, mm-hmm. it facilitates a much broader range of opinions and subject matter expertise that you just don't know given the changing nature of our organization. It is interesting from my perspective, working at Stack Overflow, Sometimes we're talking on teams, Stack Overflow teams, and yeah, folks from product or design will be the ones to sort of unblock something that's a bottleneck for engineering or data science or rev ops. You know, those things end up having all these touch points in a modern organization, and you might not know, right, who the person is with the answer that's going to help you out. Yeah. One of the things that I love the most about it is having been with the organization for about eight years now, I still feel like I have a decent like feel of who the SMEs are and I can shamelessly tag them rather than sending out (laughs) these email blasts. So it's a much softer touch way of saying, Hey, I think you might know this. Can you help out? But by that same token, oftentimes I'll tag them and they might not be the ones who know, but they do know the person who does know. So it's like a a game of telephone where then they can add tags for certain people, or we've actually sort of using the tags function in stack overflow so that we've got that identification centrally as an org. But one of my favorite you know, times in Stack Overflow is when you ask the question, you tag those SMEs and they answer, but then somebody else puts it in a better answer and gets upvoted above that SME. And then all of a sudden, you've now pulled these SMEs out of the woodwork. So I think that that's awesome to just facilitate that discussion. I was having a conversation with someone last week about you know SRE and incident response. And it's kind of a similar idea of like, who's on you know duty? Who's the page go out to? Oh, they're not there. Who do you escalate to next? Oh, everybody gets the same email. Everybody's going to have the bystander, you know, sort of effect and wait for somebody else to jump in and answer. So to be able to kind of do what you're saying, which is just gently nudge people to jump in is, is an interesting approach. One of the best parts for me is we used to sit in our functional areas, right? So I would only ever ask other engineers, you know, so not only would I might, I might not find the answer, the diversity of the answer might not be as effective either. And now when you put something out there, there's, there's no titles and there's no roles. It's just, who knows the answer? And in many cases, and I think this has just been loved by our entire organization, the best engineer is a data scientist, right? The answer comes back from a, from a perspective that we never anticipated. And I think it's just, it's eliminated barriers in our, in our organization, you know, besides just providing lots of great time-saving answers to questions that you know, right, it's, right. it's been a huge benefit for us. Yeah, it has a nice flattening effect of letting everybody participate where they can be useful. Well, I want to say thank you to both of you for coming on. If folks are interested in 8451, want to learn more about what you do or what kind of career opportunities you have available, where should they go? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, 8451.com would be a place to start. Lots of great information and all the contacts available. We are certainly uh, excited and looking for, for new talent who want to join our journey. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm Ben Popper, the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. Email us, podcast at stackoverflow.com. Or yeah, leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing. Michael, Chris, if you guys want to shout out an online place where people can find you, you're welcome to. Or if you just want to do your outro by saying who you are in your title and goodbye, that's also okay. Yeah, no, thank you for having us very much. Uh, my name is Chris Wones, and uh, I'm an engineer at 8451. And my name is Michael Carrico, and I'm a data scientist at 8451. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.